welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please visit thepearl.church. We hope you enjoy this message. So how many of you love Jesus? Who loves Jesus in the house today? All right, let me pray. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives. I thank you for the church. I thank you for all of our families and even all the wonderful messages, whether it was text message, Facebook, or whatever, people who just couldn't get in this morning because of the snow. I just pray you'd watch over us, protect our house, all of our families. But I thank you for the Spirit of God that is moving uh, today, the Spirit of God that's moving not only in our church, but in the city of Denver. And Lord, when the Spirit of God moves, people's hearts are moved, and we begin to relate to you at a deeper level. We begin to look inside and, and that place in us uh, that only you can fill, we sense it. We feel your presence. And even this morning, we felt your presence. And we're thankful, Jesus, because the presence of Jesus is what it's all about. Today's not about us. Today is not about the seats or the instruments or the stage that's under construction. Today is about you and your work in our lives. So we give you the glory today. We give you the honor today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said... Amen. All right. So this morning, uh, first of all, you know, I was sick for a couple of weeks and then I traveled. I've actually missed more Sundays in a row than I've ever missed in 10 years. I've actually never missed a Sunday for being sick. I had to miss two. And then I had a couple of uh, events with our churches that I had to do that had been planned for over a year. So I needed to make sure that I was there. But you know, the, the guys and the girls who stepped in, how many of you appreciate uh, Pastor Donna, Pastor Elliot, right? All their great words and you know, so amazing, and, and once again, it's always, it always works on my insecurity. Uh, you know, everybody starts tweeting, I'm so glad Pastor Doug is gone today so that Elliot could preach. I'm so glad that Pastor Doug is sick today. We got to hear from Donna, you know, and, but I'm okay. I know who I am in Jesus. Like, I'm not, not hurt or wounded deeply, just a little. Um, you know, Pastor James Monahan from South Africa is going to come. He's going to preach to me and get me all healed up, and, but it's good. And, but what an incredible team, right? So, uh, my wife and I, this last weekend, we were at, uh, for Valentine's Day, we were at a Valentine's weekend at another church. We did a banquet on Friday night, and then we did some stuff on the weekends. And it was a very special time for us with some very close friends in uh, San Diego, uh, the San Diego City Church. Uh, that We've known them for over 20 years, great family church of ours. Uh, and it was great, but we were going to preach on on relationships on Valentine's Day, right? So any of the married people here, you know this is how it works. Like, just imagine Donna and I going to preach on relationships on Friday night. We get on a plane and we just look at each other and we were like, we cannot get in a fight today. <laughs> like, no matter what happens, like, even if we have to sit on different sides of the plane, like, we're preaching on marriage tonight, so we cannot get in a fight. I won't even be able to preach we have an argument. So we, we got through. And then the, the, there was another super awkward thing that happened. And that is that my wife and I, and even today, it happened this, this morning. You need to see, hear this. On Friday, both of us separately in the last season went out and bought jean jackets, right? So on Valentine's Day, we're, getting, we're headed to the airport, but we're just running around. We're packing. We come downstairs. We meet at the front door. And when, when her and I come out of do, two different parts of the house, we meet at the front door. We run around. We look at each other. And we had matching outfits on. <laughs> and I mean matching from head to toe. Jean jacket, dark T-shirt, jeans, tennis shoes. And I, and I, I looked at Donna. I said, Donna, we 
are headed to the airport in matching outfits at middle age on Valentine's Day. We're going to be that couple. Like the one, like we're going to be like, you're going to, there's going to be a meme about us. Awkward middle-aged Valentine's couple. But it was too late to change. So we hoof it to the airport. We're walking, my head's down. We're walking through the airport, and she goes, you're right. I mean, we walk in, couples were like, oh, aren't they cute? They're so, you know, some of the millennials were like, you know. But we got there. We got through it. And it was a really great, it was a great time. Um, and what I wanted to do to this morning is uh, I had sort of planned a long time ago to maybe talk on relationships a little bit on, the, on that weekend, but I wasn't here. I want to talk about relationships just for a few minutes. There's not any one particular relationship that I want to talk about this morning, just as a blanket statement. You know, God, your relationships, no matter what they are, are important to Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Okay. I want to talk about it. I want to just throw a few thoughts out to you this morning. And as Donna and I were talking and praying, we thought that it would be apropos today, just after that weekend, to, you know, maybe to share just a little bit. I want to call this the heart of relationships, the heart of relationships. Um, God loves you so much. Uh, the very first relationship in your life that you need to maintain is your relationship with Jesus. And the reason that's so important is because your relationship with Jesus ultimately becomes uh, the key to your relationships with everybody else in life. If, if you can maintain that first relationship with God, then every other relationship starts to come into place. Now, um, the first thing that I want to say this morning is simply that your relationship with Jesus is important, but when it comes to certain kinds of relationships we tend to think that they're exempt from the kingdom. It's like, it's like today, now keep in mind, I'm gonna go from married to singles to just friendships, brother-sister relationships, but there's certain kinds of relationships that people just think are exempt from the kingdom of God. It's like, I, I wanna give and I wanna tithe and I wanna go on a missions trip because missions trip to Africa, I mean, that's super exotic. You get in a car and there's an elephant and it's not a zoo. And um, it's not. And we learned that on our last trip. I think we had a little argument in Africa one time, just uh, not too long ago. We were driving in a car, and we got a flat tire. And, in the flat, and then the guy that was with us, it was Pastor James, had told me, whatever you do on this tr- when we're driving on this road, do not get out of the car. Like, do not get out of the car. And I'm like, I won't. <laughs> There's lions in the bushes. You do not want to get out of the car right here. And I'm like, fine, I, I won't. And then we get a flat tire. And we, what do we do now? He goes, get out of the car. <laughs> what do you mean? Go, let's go fix the tire. I said, five minutes ago, you told me never to get out of the car. Because he goes, yeah, but now we have a flat tire. So we get out of the car. I'm looking for lions. And Donna's about in tears. Donna turns around, and right there's a bull elephant. And the elephant is looking at us like, I'm so glad you got a flat t- tire. <laughs> so Donna says, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. What? Can you not say what so loud? Hey, guys. <laughs> you know, and there's, there's an elephant charging us. And I remember sitting there in the car, and, and Don and I got back in the car, and we just had this little moment about what do you do? Because what do you do when an elephant is charging you? I, know that you? I know that you face that every day here in Denver, Colorado, but I remember having this, like, 30-minute discussion with her, like, should she have yelled? Should I have responded? And... And, uh, but th- there's relationships, and what happens is, is that in the middle of them, d- do you know that 
our relationships, no matter what they are, that's God's, God's stage that, uh, on which we actually have our character grow. Did you know that? Did you realize that if, if you don't have any relationships, you're never going to grow? If you never want to change, just don't know anybody. You know what I mean? Some, you know, like your dog is not going to challenge you, right? That's why some people get a dog, because you just want to tell somebody what to do that doesn't talk back. That's why you have a lab, right? Like if you never want to grow and you never want to change, and you never want to be challenged, just don't have any friends in your life. Don't know any people. If, you know, we all know this about church. I mean, church is a wonderful place. But did you know that, that church would be absolutely perfect if there were no people in it? Have you ever thought about this? I have. Think about it. If there was no people, if there were no people in the church, I could come to church every day and just sit around. If without relationships, we don't get challenged. Without relationships, and as a matter of fact, back in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 talks about why are we even here on this planet? You know, you ever, ever thought about that? Well, Genesis chapter 1 tells us this, but what it says is that, is that God created us for the purpose of relationship. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, he created us for the purpose of relationship. And the very second thing that he created us for was character. So we have the relationship with God, relationship with people, and then we have the relationships that build character in our lives. Because without people and relationships, there's no character. God does not want our relationships to be exempt from the great kingdom principle, which is this. Seek ye first. Everyone say first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then everything else in your life will be added unto you. It's the relationship with Jesus that has to be first. Because if it's first, then everything else is going to work out. Now, Jesus had a lot of times in Scripture where he used the word first, but this is one of the most important. So if he's not first, then we're going to struggle. Because it's only Jesus that holds us accountable to how we speak or talk or treat each other. And if any of you have ever made a mistake in that area, you know that, that it could be, it's only a matter of time before something blows up and you don't handle it right. But with Jesus, Jesus holds us accountable if we keep him first. First is very important in every relationship, single relationships, married relationships, friendships, right? Even on our team, we talk about keeping Jesus first. Has anyone in this room ever been mad at anybody in your whole life? If you have, raise your hand. Okay, pretty much 100%. Some of you, some of you are Jesus incarnate because you did not lift your hand. Man, I'm, pray for me. Okay, How, who's ever been mad at anybody in your whole life? Okay, this is, this is the kind of thing where we say, Jesus, if we keep you first, we're going to get through this. If you put Jesus second in anything, then you're settling for second best in everything. Your relationships are not exempt from the great kingdom principle. You press into Jesus, it's all gonna work out. I've told you the story, but I told it in San Diego. I mean, my wife's never written me a love song. She's written hundreds of songs. She's never written me a love song. One time I came in, she's weeping and crying at the piano, writing a song. And I walked in and I said, oh, you're finally writing me a love song. She says, no, there's another man in my life. And then she followed it up with something like, can you please shut the door? I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm like, no, write me a love song. Write me a love song. It's Valentine's week and I told her last week, write me a love song, right? Just come to church and sit right in, I'll, I'll sit in the front 
and you can sing it to me. You are. Write this. Just, you, just sing this song to me. That's all I want, Donna. Just one time. Just sing. You are so beautiful to me. Can't you see? You know what she said to me? I, I literally, I, you know what she said to me? She goes, I think I'm going to be ill. <laughs> like, what's up with that? Write me a love song. But did you know that the key, to, the key to our marriage is not that she loves me. The key to our marriage is that she loves Jesus. Now, it's, now listen, it's not that she loves me any less. Like, she loves me with all of her heart. Like, and we understand that if you're married, you just, you love your spouse. You, you get that. But did you know there's a place in her that I can't fulfill? Ecclesiastes says that, that there is eternity in our hearts. There's a place in our heart that only the Spirit of God can fill. And if she looks to me to fill that heart, then our marriage is never going to be whole because there's a part of her that I can't make whole and there's a part in me that she can't make whole. So unless we fill that place in our heart with the thing that only makes us whole, then we're two not whole people trying to make each other whole. And so we just try to fake it until we make it and we we wake up one day insecure and out of sync and it's not because we're not pouring into each other. It's because we're not pouring our life out to Jesus. Our marriages, our our friendships, our relationships are based and built around us pouring stuff out to Jesus. And then he pours it back into us. And so we have to make sure that that place is only fulfilled in us. When I was a kid, uh, you know, I was raised partially by my grandparents. They were around quite a bit. And I loved my grandma and grandpa. I was there when my grandfather died. He and I prayed literally on his deathbed. He had been out for three days in a coma, hadn't talked. Um, he'd had several heart attacks and strokes, and uh, he, he woke up in the hospital room just in time for me to pray with him and lead him to Jesus. And it was, it was an incredible moment in my life. Uh, and I was young. I think I, think I was, you know, in my, I was in my, my early, early 20s when that happened. And, but he was a mechanic. I have so many great memories of my grandfather. He was a mechanic, and he was a, he was a large equipment mechanic. And my, he fixed a lot of tractors, and he worked on a lot of combines for ranchers and farmers, you know, because we kind of lived out in the country then. And uh, anyway, so when I was a little kid, he said to me one day, hey, I got this tractor. I'm going to rebuild a tractor. Do you want to help me out? I'm just a little guy, just a little guy. I'm like, yeah, Grandpa, you know, let's, let's do that. You know, I want to help you. And he was semi-retired at that time. And, and, you know, when he did a project, it took forever because he didn't really care that much. So we took all summer to rebuild this tractor. We took every piece of that tractor apart. I'm talking every screw, every bolt, every little spring, the whole tractor, top to bottom, and it was spread out all the way around the garage. And when it was all spread out around the garage, uh, Grandpa started at the other side, he started putting it back together again. We got all the way around, took a couple of months during the summer, and then one day, it was, it was ready, it was done. And uh, he says, are you, are you ready to go take a ride? I said, yeah, let's take a ride. And so he grabs the key and uh, he, he reaches up and it was an old school tractor, you know, so just kind of picture some old school John Deere tractor, if you know what those look like. And, and I want you to just picture us trying to start the tractor and it doesn't work after all that time. It doesn't work. And I'm standing there, I'm just a little kid, I'm ready to get on the tractor, you know, and just ride you know, through the streets. Come on, Grandpa. He's like, I don't know what's going on. And I looked down. The reason I remember it so vividly is because it was so funny to me, especially now. I looked down on the ground, and there was a part on the ground. And I reached down, and I picked it up. I said, Grandpa. He's like, yeah. He's all frustrated. I said, what's this? 
And he looks over and he goes, I have no idea. <laughs> and so we had, to, we had to take another couple of weeks or a week, whatever, I just to try to get this peace back in to make this thing work. Jesus is the peace that if it's not there, it won't work. Your relationships won't work. Your marriage won't work. Your friendships won't work. Your brother-to-brother relationships won't work. Your sister-to-sister relationships won't work. Your church relationships won't work. None of the relationships are going to work if you leave that peace out because there's a peace inside of every one of us that can only be filled by Jesus. And if Jesus is not there, we're not doing it Jesus' way. If you're single and you're looking, you're not looking to Jesus first and Jesus isn't working inside of you, then you might be looking for the wrong person because the person that you're supposed to be looking for, Jesus will shape you and mold you and begin to create something in you and you begin to change what you look for. So you got to focus on Jesus, make him first, or you might be settling for second best. You all right? Number two, this is for people who might be thinking about, you know, matrimony someday. You have to know you before you add someone else in the mix you don't know. The reason why you have to focus on Jesus first is because you got to know you. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I preached on this verse. Paul said, it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. The grace of Jesus took this man who who had been hunting Christians down to have them imprisoned, who became the great apostle Paul. He said, I I was so bad. I hurt so many people. I hurt the church. I I gave a thumbs up to Christians being killed and martyred and murdered. I was so bad. If Jesus can save anybody, he can save me. Grace gets us down to our basic unit of who we are. Without Jesus, you will never know what your true identity is. Your identity is not found in your strength. Your identity is found in your testimony, which is only discovered through your weakness. You can't have a testimony in Jesus and say, I'm so strong, I saved myself. I was so weak that without Jesus, I can't do anything. You see, grace leads us to our identity, and it's when you find your identity that all of a sudden you begin to know, okay, this is who I am. When I married Donna, I I, I wasn't like, I'm like, you know, she's like, Doug, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I'd paraphrase like two years right there. (laughs) You know, how are you with your finances? I'm horrible. Oh. I'm like, yeah, what do you want me to do? Want Want me to lie to you? I'm really great with my finances, you know. I bring in a lot into the marriage, uh, $3,000 in debt, and the IRS is after me, so, um, you know, you know, it's like, but I'm not hiding anything. We just went through my life, and I just, yep, 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 nope, yep, nope, there's just, I just don't have anything to hide, so, because what grace does is grace makes you self-aware. Now, can I tell you that, that being self-aware, knowing who you are, is the most important thing that you can do in your relationships. Because if you're not self-aware and you're trying to have a relationship, then you're faking it. Are you with me? So if you try to fake it, you're not going to have a good relationship. So grace makes us self-aware, not self-indulgent. Let me explain. 
Sometimes when we preach about grace, it's always about what grace says I can do and what I can't do. And I get it. Like, I'm a grace guy. Like, I preach grace messages. We have freedom in Christ. Don't you love your freedom in Christ? You've been set free. I get all that. But sometimes the, the grace message gets put in this category. Grace, grace allows me to do things and not do things. Grace was not made to define what you, what you get the freedom to do. Grace was designed so that you can discover who you are. And in discovering who you are, God then builds you into the person that he wants to be. And then you go on this journey of grace. First, grace tells you who you are. Second, grace teaches you something. That's what the Bible says. And third, then grace defines the kind of life we're supposed to live. But we tend to take grace and let it define how we live before we, it lets, we let it discover who we are. You got to be who you're supposed to be before you do what you're supposed to do. Or you're going to burn out and be burned out and get bitter doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. But you're not the right person doing it because you haven't discovered who you are in Christ yet. Mm. How are we now? So grace is like this, this powerful force. Single people, you, you got to know who you are in Christ. Don't fake it. Because two fakes don't make an original. They're just two fakes trying to convince each other that it's real when it's not. And we can't figure out why marriages don't make it today. We got fake people marrying each other, trying to be Jesus for each other. Trust me, trust me. Donna, Donna knows I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> there are times where we'll, have, we'll be having a conversation, and she'll say, "I'll say, no, talk to me, talk to me, come on, talk to me." Like, are we? Like, what's going on? Like, and, and she's like, I. She, she knows I need to change, right? But she knows she's not Jesus either. And she knows I'm not going to change. <laughs> come on, come on, let's talk. Just talk about it. Like, like, come on, talk. She's like, no. The, the best thing she does to me is she goes, no, I'm just going to pray for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and then I want to have an argument about that. And it's like, I need prayer. <laughs> prayer. You know, it's like she makes appointments with another man to talk about me. <laughs> prayer. Fine. It's not like I can say no. You know. Like, fine. Just go pray for me. You know. Let me know what you decide. You know. <laughs> so we're not Jesus. So two fakes don't make an original. So here's here's another one. Relationships have to have boundaries to work. There's books called boundaries, you know. Um, without bound, boundaries, no relationship can work. And we, I love that verse, you know, in Proverbs 4, verse 24, that's so famous. It says, guard your heart above all else, um, because out of it flow the issues of life, or there's different versions. I don't know which ones I used here, but out of it flows... Uh, everything flows from it. But there's a Greek word there that's really important. The Greek word for the word everything you have flows from it. The actual, the Greek word is the word for boundary. So if you're reading a really close uh, participle kind of translation of that verse, it's guard your heart with everything you have because out of it flow your boundaries. That's, that's like the closest Greek translation. 
your boundaries. You know, without boundaries, nothing works. Uh, this is for the married people. When you first get married, boundaries are hard. Like in the first couple of years, you sort of learn like what your spouse's buttons are. You know what I mean? Like, don't push my button. Every married person has probably said that at some point. Like, don't push my buttons. Like in the first couple of years, you don't know. I call those landmines. You didn't know they were there, right? But then like after you've been married about five years, between five and 10, you push them on purpose. Like, I'm gonna, I strategically, like, you're gonna get, you walk into a room and you're like, I call those hand grenades. Because you know they're there. Oh, yeah? Right? And as it's falling, you're like, no, I'm just gonna pray for you. I'm going to go talk to Jesus because I obviously can't talk to you. (laughs) Hand grenade, right? Landmines and hand grenades, okay? And we're constantly pushing each other's boundaries. But boundaries are important whether you're married or single. For whatever reason, we're we're living in a world today where boundaries are becoming blurred especially in relationships. Like there's some boundaries, you, we, you, can, you, can, you can philosophize all you want with your friends, but you better get real with Jesus on some boundaries because otherwise you will never build the kind of relationship that God has ordained for you before you were ever on this planet. His boundaries don't change. Boundaries are important. One time Donna, and I, I did this I think a couple years ago, but Donna, this story, I don't want to repeat myself, but Donna... Was, has a friend, a wonderful person, but man, years ago when they were in high school, she struggled with her f- friendships and her purity and her relationships. And one time her and Donna were driving down the road and they're having a long discussion about boundaries and Donna's trying to minister, say, you, you gotta rethink how you view life and how you view the, all the purity. You've gotta rethink it. She's like, no, church is legalistic. You guys are legalistic, on and on and on. And, uh, and again, she just didn't know who she were, was in Christ, right? Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, then everybody's legalistic. That's kind of how it works because all of a sudden I can do whatever boundaries I want. But she's in her little car and she had a little car. You've heard about my car. It was a little car, her car, tiny, tiny little car, um, ugly, brown, but faithful. Come on, faithful. Um, uh, she, you know, she got the car. Mom and dad helped her get it. It was all we had when we first got married. And I love the car. It was a Toyota Starlet um, you don't know what that is. There's a reason. Um, they only made them for two years uh, because they were the most unsafe car ever created. And it was little. It was little. I could sit in between the two seats, reach out the windows with both hands. I would do this for like a trick, for fun. And I could open and close both doors like this. I'd be like, hey, what's up? So they're in the car. And they're this close. And... She's like, I don't need your boundaries. I don't need your rules. And she's like, there's a difference between a rule and a boundary. A rule is just, this is the way it is. There's no discussion. A boundary, boundaries not only keep you in, but boundaries keep other things out. 
And so, because, because we love you, there, have, there has to be boundaries. So they're driving, Papa. They're having this little argument. So Donna takes her car while they're talking and she turns left, she goes over the middle lane and she starts driving on the wrong side of the road. And there's a car coming. And it, it was on a street that we know, I think it was Halsey Boulevard, but they're just driving and she's on the wrong side of the road and she starts to go faster because that's what happens when you, when you don't like your boundaries, you cross them and you go as fast as you can. There's a biblical story about, there, about that in the Bible. It has to do with Esau, but you just, whatever makes you happy, whatever your flesh says, I'm just going as fast as I can on the wrong side of the road. Once I cross it, I'm going fast. And her friend says, that's not funny. Donna's like, what are you talking about? Car's coming, Donna's driving. That is, that's not funny. Get over on the other side of the road. I don't know, what are you talking about? That's stupid. This is not funny. Get back over the line. Donna goes, oh, those lines right there, they don't mean anything to me. And she makes this point that without boundaries, keeping not only keeping you in, but keeping other people out, I'm sorry, but there's only destruction down the road. If you think you can live any relationship in your life without boundaries, without some kind of, of set filter of biblical understanding, you can't even have friends. Because your friendships won't be based on the right thing. And, and you're, you, you become codependent or angry or frustrated or you don't respect each other or you don't love each other without boundaries. Guard your heart. Why? With everything you have because out of it flow your boundaries. And without boundaries, we're all in trouble. God created boundaries to protect us, not hurt us. How are we doing now? Hey, we're doing all right. Just maybe one more. Relationships are not the goal, they're the reward. Do you know the relationships are a reward? They're not the goal. Like my, my goal is not to have as many relationships as I can and then I'm gonna go ahead and just define my life about how many friends I have at the end of the day. Because if I, if I have a lot, I had a great life. If I only have a few, I had a bad life. That's not, that's not the point. Check this verse out in Proverbs 23. By wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. So I want you to notice there's a house and it's being built by wisdom. Wisdom. And once, the, once understanding comes, because wisdom brings understanding and this understanding helps you get established, through knowledge, the rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So you have a house being built by wisdom, we're getting understanding, we're getting established, and through knowledge, right? Through knowledge. Now, I want you to notice where knowledge comes. It doesn't come first. Wisdom comes first. It doesn't say knowledge builds the house. It says wisdom builds the house. People want knowledge because knowledge or information gives you power over someone else. It gives you power over people or power on the job or you can see yourself accelerate in parts of life. But did you know that, that wisdom and knowledge are not the thing? Wisdom is what you do with knowledge. And so when you're building a house, you have to have wisdom. And if you do, you're gonna have beautiful treasures. You know what those beautiful treasures are in your house? It's relationships. Beautiful treasures. It's not the couch. It's not the chair. It's not the TV. It's not beautiful treasures in your house that you build with wisdom. Those beautiful, wonderful treasures, that's people. God will fill your life with beautiful people 
wonderful people. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're going to have great successes in these areas and you're going to have some bad failures in these areas. But if God is building his house, he builds it with wisdom. And then if we, if we keep seeking him, we put him first, he fills your life with beautiful treasures, beautiful people, all kinds of people from all over the place. Now, I got to wrap up. So I didn't, uh, so what I'm going to do is I had some thoughts here for, for some single, single people. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to preach them, but I'm just going to kind of bullet point them, okay? You ready? This came under wisdom. So I'm just going to give you some of these. Are you ready? Okay. Single people, you ready? Okay. Become the person you want to marry. Like, don't go find the person you want to marry and think that you're going to change when you're with them because they can't change us. So become the person. I think I want to, I want to love God. I want to have this character. Just go for it. God will come along, right? If you're willing to do anything to get a relationship, then you'll have to do anything to keep that relationship. See, there's a study done that talked about how many people mess up um, with intimacy when they break up. They, they mess up with their intimacy when they break up. Because there's one person who's so just, does I'll do anything to keep this relationship. They just get rid of all of their intimacy boundaries at the, at the breakup. And they think, I've been doing anything to keep this, to get this relationship. I wanted it. I didn't listen to any wisdom. And people told me no. And I'll do anything to keep it. So if you'll do anything to get a relationship, you'll do anything to keep it. Don't be that person. It is impossible to understand the covenant of marriage unless you understand covenant with God. Covenant is not like a contract. There's a contract and there's a covenant. The, a, a contract has an out. A covenant, in the Old Testament, they took animals, they split them in half, you walked across on the blood, it was permanent. Covenants don't go backwards, you don't give them up, you don't walk away, you don't say, I can't do this anymore, you made a covenant. Jesus, with his broken body and his blood on Calvary, he became the animal, the Lamb of God, divided for our sins, he made a covenant with us. Marriage is based on covenant, not contract. Do you remember your vows? When Donna and I made vows when we got married, we did covenant vows, not contract vows. You know what I mean? Like, I pledge to love you forever and ever and ever as long as you cook for me every single night, but only the things that I like. I just wanted to get that out now, you know? And she's like, and I promise I commit myself to you uh, forever and ever until death do we part as long as, you know, you never forget ever one time our birthday, our anniversary, our six-month anniversary, our first date anniversary, the first time we passed each other in the hall anniversary, you know, the one, the one time I saw you, we caught eyes. Remember that eye moment? I remember it because it was February 14th, 1993. It was the eye anniversary. And as long as you never forget any of our anniversaries, then I will stay with you forever. That's a contract. A covenant means for good or bad, rich or poor, sickness or in health, I'm going to walk with you until the day that I die because that's what Jesus is doing for you right now. That's how God works. 
If you think that the purpose of marriage is to make you happy, you not only won't be happy, but you'll never be whole. If you can't align intimacy with God before you're married, you won't understand intimacy with someone else after you're married. Loneliness isn't exclusive to being single. If you don't learn to let loneliness draw you to Jesus when you're single, it may drive you to separation when you're married. Don't take relationship advice from Instagram. Faithfulness is not a filter that you can lay over the top of your inconsistency to make your relationships work. You know that you've handled a dating relationship the wrong way when it's over and one of you has to leave the church. The key to intimacy in marriage is self-control, not attraction. Selfish singles lead to manipulative marriages. Be whole now in Christ. Don't wait. Be whole now. Don't wait. Can I hear an amen? Stand to your feet with me today. Come on, stand up. If you love Jesus while you're standing, just clap for him and tell him that he's a great God. He's a good God. He loves you, okay? All right, everybody standing, close your eyes, bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for every relationship in this room. I thank you, Lord, that relationships, both the most wonderful things that we experience and some of the hardest. None of us here are ignorant to that. We just need your grace. We just need your grace to help us. Every one of us have had great victories and made mistakes. And so I'm grateful that there is a covenant A covenant that you made, the Bible says a new covenant that you made that was better than the old covenant with us, your children. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And Father, you you are going to help us with our relationships that they might not only be healthy and whole, but glorify God in purpose. There's a purpose for it all. So thank you today, Jesus. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to finish up right here. This morning, if your relationship with Jesus is not where it should be, if you know that you're not whole, that there's a peace in your heart that still is not quite in place. You've tried, it doesn't fit, you're trying to figure it out, but you know that your life and your future is dependent upon your relationship with Jesus who loves you, who loves you just the way that you are right now. But you know that you've got to Maybe align your life with Jesus a little more today. Kind of get focused on him a little more. I want you to lift your hand right now. Come on, right now as I pray. If that's you, hands all across the room. Hands all over the building, up on the balcony. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person in this room. And God, I pray that you would pour out your love on them. That you would, you would love them with a love that is so unconditional and filled with grace. And I love you, Father. I pray you would, you would pour out your love on them. It would devastate their insecurity, that it would bury their sin, and that your love would take them to a new place. Father, we give you all the glory today. I want the whole church to pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that you love me, and my relationship with you, Father, is so important to me. Today, I place you in the right place. You are first in my life. And every relationship will flow from there. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, fill my house with beautiful treasures. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, clap your hands for Jesus. Tell you love him. Let's sing a